A reading from the Gospel of John in the fourth chapter. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of water of me, a Samaritan woman? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. But Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying that I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit 
and truth. The woman said to him, I I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I'm he, the one who's speaking to you. And then the disciples came. And they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said to him, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? The woman left her water jar, went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony that he told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And Many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. And this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, who unites us across time and space, through the eternal wisdom and truth of your holy word. Unite us now in spirit and truth as we seek direction and comfort in your holy scripture. Amen. Social distancing. That's a phrase that I don't think I had ever really heard before. Certainly wasn't very familiar with a few days ago. But I suspect that, like many of you, you have heard this term a lot in the past few days. Social distancing. It describes a certain infection control uh, actions that are taken by public health officials in order to stop or to slow down the spread of highly contagious diseases. We, as a society, are being encouraged right now to practice social distancing as a way of slowing down the spread of the virus, COVID-19. The objective of social distancing is to reduce the probability of contact between persons who are carrying an infection and others who are not infected. And so to hopefully minimize disease transmission and morbidity and ultimately mortality. It's a new phrase to me, but really, as I thought about it, it's, it's quite an old idea. In the Bible times, social distancing was a common public health practice. Those who suffered from the skin disease that the Bible calls leprosy were subject to social distancing. They lived apart from the larger community to keep their infections from spreading. When Jesus 
healed those who had leprosy. He restored them back to their communities in addition to restoring them back to themselves. He sent them back to their places of worship. He sent them back to their families. Living for long at a social distance, that is its own, that's its own form of suffering. So Jesus healed not only to restore bodies, but to restore, to, to reconcile communities. In our own season of social distancing, we take hope that Jesus' healing is not only for those who are sick, but for our whole society that is being pushed apart. We take hope for the healing of an epidemic of loneliness that days or weeks or months of social isolation may bring. We take hope that the fear and anxiety of these days does not cause our hearts to harden or cause us to neglect loving and tending to our neighbors. We just heard the story of the Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well one hot afternoon in Samaria. She knew, I think, a thing or two about social distancing, but she had no infectious disease. All John's signs in this story point to social distancing. There's the obvious scandal of Jesus, a Jewish man speaking to and asking for water from a Samaritan woman. It is a scandal noted by the woman who says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? For as John notes, Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. The scandal is also noted by the disciples when they show up with lunch and are astonished to see Jesus talking to a woman. Everyone in this story is shocked that Jesus does not follow the customary social distancing between an unmarried man and unmarried woman. He breaks the centuries-old social distance between the Jewish and the Samaritan people. But there is also social distancing between the woman and her own community. We don't know her name nor much of her story beyond what Jesus says about her having been married several times and living with a man who's not her husband. But what we do know is that she comes to, to the well to draw water in the middle of the day when it's hottest, which is not the best time to haul a huge earthen water jar to and from a well. That is, unless you feel the need to keep a social distance from the rest of the people who come to draw water at more suitable times of the day when it's a little cooler, like the morning or the evening. She seems to be keeping a distance from others in her community, fetching her water all alone in the heat of the noonday sun. The Samaritan woman knew well social distancing in its many and varied forms until Jesus showed up. 
Jesus and his ministry are not bound or limited by social conventions and restraints. The grace of God that Jesus offers, the water drawn from the well of the love of God, that cannot be kept at a distance from God's children. No matter their gender or their creed, no matter their past, everything we've ever done, no matter what, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The life of love and grace that God has planned for us is, as Jesus says, like a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Water gushing up. Water overflowing. Water that that seeps into the teeniest, tiniest cracks in our carefully constructed masks. Water that surges into the biggest holes in our hearts. Water that fills the caverns of our souls with nourishing, life-giving, life-restoring love. The love of God. The love of each other. Water that will bind us each together in community, lifting us in the common river of life, even when we cannot come together and embrace each other in person. We are floating together in the same water, the same river of life that flows from the throne of God. There are multitudes in our communities that have already known all too well the pain and the suffering of being kept at a social distance. They are our neighbors who may suffer even more in the days ahead, but they are also those who Christ uses, like the Samaritan woman, to teach us all about just how powerful is the hope in a love and a community that cares for each other, no matter our pasts, no matter our ethnicities, no matter what. There is a great opportunity in these days of social distancing to reach out to the most vulnerable and to ourselves be open to new forms of love and new relationships with those who bear the very image of Christ to us. The Samaritan woman overcame social isolation to become the messenger of good news to her community. Expect in these days that Christ is sending us messengers of the gospel of love despite our practice of social distancing, even those practices of social distancing that long predate COVID-19. God still has hope to speak to us. God still has mysterious ways of communicating that hope. So here's what I can say that I think flows from the word of God that we have heard in our readings today. First, like God heard a terrified and angry people, the Israelites lost in the wilderness, thirsty, 
God hears us and God will provide for our many needs in ways that we simply cannot imagine right now. Not one of the Israelites thought that the big rock right in front of them would pour out clean water if Moses hit it with a stick. But God provided what they needed. Is the Lord among us like that today? Absolutely. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, says Hebrews. And I agree. Second, as the psalmist says, in God's hands are the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountains. He is our God. We are the people of his pasture. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. Do not harden your hearts. As Paul tells the church in Rome, worshiping in their own uncertain times, he says, we have already been saved, justified by faith. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We, beloved, don't know what the days and the weeks and the months ahead will hold for us. But if we suffer, when we suffer, we know that it will not be in vain. God takes our sufferings and transforms it. Suffering produces endurance, said St. Paul. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope, beloved, hope does not disappoint us. And why not? Because we know that no matter what, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And that same Spirit is in and among us today. And when we are apart, that Spirit speaks to us and whispers to us the voice of those who are a part of this family, reminding us, reminding you that you are not alone. You are not forgotten. There is light that shines ahead. Hope does not disappoint us. Beloved, Think of the hope that filled that incredibly strong and resilient woman that Jesus met at the well. It was the promise of hope in Jesus being the one sent to save that sent her bounding back into her community, into her family, seemingly unafraid, unashamed, announcing the good news of the gospel. Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Come and see a man who knows me inside and out and told me that I am worthy of everlasting life that overflows with love. Come and see a man who says that I am he, the one that you've been looking for. Beloved, the hope that filled her with that good news is here for us today. To remind us that we know, we know 
that this is truly the Savior of the world. No amount of social distancing or sickness or even death will change that. God's got this whole world in God's hands. Amen.